Welcome to The Human Being Project, a podcast hosted by my dad and I, that's an exploration of finding meaning and purpose in who we are rather than what we do. I'm Janelle Thiessen, a keen observer of human interactions and behaviors, and an advocate for being, for being present, being authentic, and staying open. I'm Ron Thiessen, a psychologist, educator, and facilitator, and I'm on a personal journey to find a balance between a lifelong habit of productivity and the presence or being state that nurtures my spirit and seems to have the greatest impact on the world around me. In each episode, Janelle and I explore ways to make space for more being and less doing, to focus on spiritual energy, intuition, and the relationship between heart and mind so we can positively impact the world through our conscious doing. So I love this. One of my biggest pet peeves is when you see a sports star win the Super Bowl, for example, and he's like, I want to thank God. God did this. And you're like, well, what about the other guy who also believes in God? Yes. So his God wanted him to lose, but your God wanted you to win. <laughs> like, this makes no sense. Our guest this week is Neil Mackay, a comedian, humanitarian, and entrepreneur. I met Neil through a Facebook group about podcasting, but I'll admit that the sole reason... <laughs> I asked him to join us on the podcast was because in our interactions, he expressed some pretty strong resistance to the idea of spirituality. I was intrigued. Now, I feel like I didn't ask him very targeted questions during our discussion here, but I am curious to know if you, the listener, think or feel similarly to Neil about the concept of spirituality. Do you feel the need to choose between science and spirituality? Is one wrong and one right? Stay tuned to the end of the episode where I'll share why I think we need both. Also, if you're sensitive to profanity, uh, you may be triggered a few times while listening. I did omit some swear words, but I left others in because I felt they were an integral part of Neil's self-expression. You'll see what I mean. Uh, They are just words after all. So without further ado, let's meet Neil. I'm Neil McKay, the podcast guy, self-proclaimed. (laughs) And I'm a podcast producer. I run a business that produces podcasts for people all around the world. I offer coaching as well. And I'm I'm just kind of obsessed with podcasting. Got it. It started my own back in 2019 as a hobby because I'd I'd been listening to podcasts. For your younger listeners, when podcasts were on iPods, there was a thing called an iPod. uh, And it wasn't connected to the internet and you had to download broadcasts and those broadcasts got called podcasts and I started listening to them in the early 2000s just to age myself. I guess I've just been a podcast kind of fanatic since then. I Mm. eventually started my own as a hobby and then lost my job during the pandemic. So I've worked for -for not-for-profits for most of my career, lost my job during the pandemic and decided to take that business full time. That's awesome. And you also do not just podcasting, but you do all kinds of coaching and audio help, right? You do. You have other aspects of the podcasting. Yeah, yeah. That kind of came about just naturally, which was really nice from posting on things like Discord, which did we meet on Discord or Facebook? I forget. But No, I think uh, we met in a Facebook group for Discord. Facebook, um, yeah, so yeah. just being helpful on those groups and talking to people. Um, I've been able to coach some people as well, which is amazing because... I think we all have that. People call it the imposter syndrome. I don't really like to call it that. Um, but I didn't realize how 
of much of an expert I was, I guess. I mean, I hate even using that term, but you never feel like you know that much because there's always there is always somebody that knows more than you. And so I never really classified <laughs> myself as an expert or promoted myself like that as much. But then I realized like, oh, I use this program all day, every day. Uh, I know a lot of ins and outs and tricks and hacks and, and how to do things. And when you start to speak to people who don't use it all day, every day and really struggle with some of those things. And it happens all the time where, you know, if you know, you know, and if you do know, it seems super easy and simple. And then like, I've even seen things like answering questions of how do I post, how do I host my podcast? Like, how do you share your podcast with the yes. world? And I'm like, and I'm like, oh, that's such a stupid question. Everybody knows that. And then my wife will be like, no, no, everybody doesn't know that. You know that. Yeah. So you think it's simple. <laughs> Yeah. So then I realized the more you know, um, you can actually share that with other people. So the co- that's how the coaching came about. Yeah, I love it. And you're an excellent coach. And you, you're right. You, you do provide value for complete newbies, uh, which is what we were when we found you. And it was very helpful for us, for sure. I've already implemented some of the tricks that you told me to implement. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, just a few little things. I'm excited to see, see the changes that you've made. And hopefully it makes a difference. Yeah, for those of you who are interested, uh, Neil did a podcast audit of Human Being Project on his uh, podcast, which is called, it wasn't the 7 Million Bikes podcast that you did it on, though. Mm, No, Smarter Podcasting. Smarter Podcasting, that's right. And so we had a little sesh there, and he gave us tons of tips, uh, half of which I haven't implemented, but many of which I have. that's, That's good, then, if you've done half. Yes, that's good. I'm proud of myself. But we have you on the podcast today for a totally different reason, because uh, I just wanted to make you as uncomfortable as possible. And I have heard and followed up on who you are and what you do with your life and in the community that you live in. You live in Vietnam, right? What part of Mm -hmm. Vietnam do you live in? I'm in Saigon, or the official name is Ho Chi Minh City. Oh, boy. I won't even try to say that. But you did a good (laughs) job. Thank you. So (laughs) it's about the only Vietnamese I can speak. And how long have you lived there for? It'll be seven and a half years now. Coming now, up you're not decade. originally from from Vietnam because your accent suggests otherwise. Where are you I'm actually from? from? <laughs> my accent and my skin tone as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm originally from Scotland um, and left, ah, left there in my early 20s, moved to America, went to then ended up in Australia, then ended up in New Zealand and then Vietnam. So I haven't lived in Scotland for about 20 years. And look how strong your accent is still. So this makes me laugh every time. You're you're revealing yourself to be somebody who's never been to Scotland. Am I right? No, I've been. I've been to Edinburgh. I was there for the military tattoo. Yeah. But How long were you there for? Well, I was there for like three days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely never been to Glasgow because there's two types of people in this world and I sometimes meet them back to back. And one of them will meet me and hear my accent and say exactly what you said. Oh, you've got such a strong Scottish accent. And 99 mm. times out of 100, they've never been to Scotland and maybe met one person from Scotland. Then I'll turn around and meet somebody else who hear my accent and say, oh, my goodness, your accent's so soft. You don't sound like you're from Scotland. Where are you from? And that person, oh, really? will, that person will have been to Scotland, spent time there, talked to Scottish people. And will fully comprehend and understand that my accent is actually very, very soft. Oh, well, my apologies. You have the <laughs> softest Scottish accent I have ever heard. No, I used to. It's because I've lived abroad for so long. So 
even I don't know if you watched the Beckham documentary on Netflix and Posh Spice's wife was on there and even things like their accents have completely changed like it showed you footage of them from when they were younger and when she was younger she was straight out of London and sounded like yeah I'm from London and then now she's talked quite (laughs) posh because she's you know that's just what happened and so when I was in university I had college friends tell me that I had the strongest Glaswegian accent they'd ever heard and this was from other people from Glasgow and so I was shocked because I'm I'm from a working class family so we're not we're not posh but we're not also like uh like what's the word what's the pc word? i want to use the word scummy we're not scummy you know we're not like i don't think you're gonna find a pc word yeah you know what i mean we're not we're not like um some people in scotland have really really horrible horrible accents like really guttural and disgusting Mm. so my family actually have really nice accents but they do have strong accents so going to university and then being told that my accent was really strong was big wake up call. And then I moved to the US and nobody could understand me. Like literally people <laughs> would look at me and just, I would see their eyes glaze over. Like my favorite was one time I asked this person like, oh, what's the weather going to be today? And they just looked at me and they went, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's not a yes or no question. That question requires <laughs> that question requires an answer. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so very quickly I realized I had to slow down. I had to enunciate my words. I had mm. to pronounce them. I had yes. to take take breaths and slow down. Yes. So I do still have a strong accent. I'll grant you that. But it is much more easier to understand. It's a lot softer than it could have been. And especially when wow. I do a podcast interview, it slows down even more and I turn on my radio voice i guess <laughs> yeah. flip the switch yeah <laughs> so i okay so you're just so everyone knows you are mm. also a stand-up comic right well i'm actually on a break right now so i've actually so i'm uh i'm actually retired at the moment from comedy i've what? taken a break yeah i stopped earlier this year and i may never do it again but we'll see how it goes what why what happened like most kind of industries, there's a lot of internal politics and on the oh, surface, yes. comedy is such a funny thing. But in the background, I actually was organizing shows. So I, I was more than just performing. And so mm. there becomes lots of little click clicks and um, people, the biggest thing, like it's so sad, like the biggest thing is like money. Like people would talk about me behind my back thinking that I was making lots of money. When I wasn't, <laughs> was barely making any money. And then when people didn't get paid enough, they would want more money. Um, mm. When you have a good show and they see lots of people there, they're like, oh, you made so much money. I want more. But when they you have a bad show and there's nobody there, then they, they still want money. But nobody was here. How, how do I pay you? So generally, <laughs> most of it came down to money. I met some amazing people, like some unbelievable people. But there was some other really like uh, toxic people that, just after I was doing it for about four years and eventually Mm. I wanted part of it was I wanted to focus on podcasting full time so I was organizing shows and just to put on one show took about eight hours of work so that was eight hours of work Mm. away from podcasting at one point last year I was doing eight different gigs different types of jobs from teaching to pharmaceutical marketing to creating content online comedy podcasts and so I was just spreading myself too thin. And that part of that was post-pandemic, just trying to make some money. Like I said, I mean, I lost my job. So you're just trying to scramble and, and survive, yeah. basically. But then this year, it was like, right, nope, I'm going to say start saying no to stuff and just focus on podcasting. What is so magical about podcasting that you can't get enough of it? 
Tell me, why the love affair? So I remember seeing this in another podcast interview years ago, and they were they thought this was so funny. And I said, I think listening to podcasts makes you smarter. It does. Right? <laughs> so I just always obsessed with the medium, like really enjoyed it. I always listened to it at the gym or on traveling. And then, as I said, eventually I was like, I'm going to make my own one. And regretted it ever since no i'm, I'm kidding on no, i haven't regretted it yeah i have three of my own all three of them are on a break right now um but oh, okay I, I work on about i've worked or worked on about 25 podcasts in total wow that is a lot i you know what i don't i don't know how you do it because for me the 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 process of speaking on a podcast is fine whatever can happen in the moment it's that's fine it's the editing and post-production even even the pre-production of a podcast episode, arranging the guests and and figuring out the questions and all that jazz, it can be so time consuming. Mm. Like I need an assistant. <laughs> well, lots of people do have them. They're called virtual assistants. I mean, I did the math one time and for one hour podcast episode, which you just think, oh, I'm going to make a podcast episode yeah. in total, including booking the guests all the way through to scheduling it, posting it, writing the show notes, the titles. Then promoting it is about 10 hours minimum for one. So that's one day of work. So when you like, I'm going to start a podcast like I did. I'm going to do a weekly podcast. I had no idea what I was getting myself in for. But what you're mentioning in terms of you don't know how I do it. So what I do is the post-production stuff. So I don't manage the podcast per se. So I don't book the guests. I'm not involved with the recording. I I do the best part. I get sent the audio and then I love it because then I get to take that audio and then make it something beautiful and make it mm-hmm. take out all those mistakes yep. um, and make it sound really nice. So that's what my passion is now is taking that audio and then making it into something that the listener will have no idea how much yeah. has gone into that. And I really one of the podcasts I work for is called A Paranormal Chicks. And recently one of they, they get letters sent into them or emails and read them out. And this one person was like, oh, we have a podcast like you and we're just like you. We don't edit it. We just put it out there. <laughs> and and I mean, then the hosts were like, no, 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 we do edit this podcast. And at <laughs> yeah. first I was so offended. I was like, what do you mean they don't edit this podcast? You think yeah. this sounds unedited? But then I was like, oh, because their podcast is really raw. Like they laugh a lot. They swear. They talk about sex and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I can imagine why they thought it was unedited. But so at first I was like, offended and then i was like no i should i'm really proud that's cool that that's they listen the highest to this compliment yeah and they don't realize that this is yes. completely edited so like we even i even make a bloopers reel for them once a month and the bloopers are, are absolutely hilarious and i mentioned it in the bloopers because i had a bit of audio to the bloopers mm. and be like to, to the person who said that this podcast isn't edited <laughs> here's the proof that it is very yeah. much edited and there's like 12 minutes of bloopers <laughs> and the craziest thing with podcasting is that even when you make your own podcast, you put it out there and then you have no idea what people think. Like when you do the difference with stand-up comedy, when I tell a joke on stage, it either gets a laugh right away or it doesn't. So you know right away if what you've done is is good or, or bad or you need to do it better. But with a podcast, you sit in a room by yourself half the time, record this, mm-hmm. send it out to the world, and then you, you have no idea what people think. And for me, the biggest buzz in my life is when I've had people tell me, to my face, like, oh, I listen to your podcast. And I'm, every time I'm right? like, surprised, I'm like, oh, wait, what? Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. Like, I forgot that pe- even though you make this thing for people to listen to, I forget yes. that people listen to it. 
Okay, well, let's segue into something else. Um, before we get to the real topic I want to talk to you about, let's talk about your involvement in your community. What, what drove you to do that, to be involved in that way? First of all, what did you do? Right, right. So my proudest achievement ever is I helped raise $60,000, I think it was, $69,000 to help build a school for underprivileged children here in Vietnam. That's exceptional. That's um, awesome. Yeah, thank you. The proudest day of my life. I was there for the beginning of the project. We went down and seen the school. We went down when it got knocked down. It was about a four-hour drive away. Um, and mm -hmm. then we went down on the last day and we helped with painting, which I always feel like such a fraud because I did nothing to help build the actual <laughs> school. You were but there me, for, the, for the camera? Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Me and some of the bigger donors <laughs> who helped make the project happen were there on the last day, like painting it yeah. with cameras. And you're like, what a, what a fraud, but... It was still amazing. <laughs> but so I guess like uh, to go back, I mean, because I'm from a, a kind of working class family. All my family are in, involved in services, helping people. So whether that's the police, ambulance service, doctors, uh, teachers, um, even working in a supermarket, you know, still helping people. Mm -hmm. nobody's nobody's in banking <laughs> nobody's in uh, trading or anything like that so everybody always does everybody does something to help people so I guess that's just I can't think of anything specific but that's just the way I was brought up I guess was you help people I guess I mean I don't remember anything specifically so I studied sport and exercise science and the the kind of goal with that was to work in health promotion uh, and help people exercise more because Basically, one of the biggest problems we have in the whole world is the lack of exercise, sedentary behavior. Mm. And so if we can increase that, if we can eat better, we can, there's so many good health outcomes, there's so many good financial outcomes. Blah, blah. So that was my grand big plans coming out of university. And then I traveled the world and fell into other jobs and different things and trying to find myself and find what the hell I'm going to do with my life. But I wanted to do something. And then I met these girls when I was traveling in Australia who'd done uh, street fundraising. So I, I don't know if you have it in Canada. I assume you do when the people stand with the clipboards on the streets in like the city center and, and then you join up. I haven't the, seen that. The charity. No. It's, it definitely happens in the US and then obviously it happens all over the UK. So it's, they're, they're looked down upon and I used to look down upon those people. They're the most annoying, scummy people in the world. They get paid to get you to donate to charity. They stand in the middle of the town center and they're always cheery and they're always happy and they want you to do something so i hated those people and then oh, i met these yeah and then i met these two lovely girls when i was traveling from england and they told me how amazing the job was how rewarding it was oh it took two lovely girls to do it i get it, I get it. <laughs> they're <they were> actually <laughs> friends still friends to this day so i ended up in melbourne went for a job interview and it turned out that the job was to do street fundraising something i would no never way. thought i would do in my life it's so out of my comfort zone uh I mean, you've mentioned I'm a comedian and a podcaster, but I used to be so shy. It was incredible. Like I would never do no. anything like that at all. Like I, not going back too far, but typical story. I was bullied all through school. So then I was so shy, didn't want to do anything. Mm. So for me to do street fundraising was just so out of my norm, but I did it, challenged myself, hated it, but loved it. And then ended up doing <laughs> that for about four years and became really good at it. Oh. Came to Vietnam for a year, teaching English, but then job opportunity became available to work with the school that I worked at, to work in their charity department and help underprivileged children gain access to education. 
through volunteering, raising money and doing events. So for me, it was like a dream job. I got to run events in the community, got to meet lots of people, travel around and raise lots of money. And one of the biggest projects we did was raise the money to build the school and we did it. And so proudest day of my life was going nice. down there, seeing the school being built, still there to this day. I think that answers your question. Why do I want to help out in the community? Uh, I think because it's just the right thing to do, right? I'm not a banker. <laughs> <laughs> I do find it interesting that when I first met you, um, I had actually hired you, right, to assess our sound quality for our podcast. But the moment that I started interactions with you, you were very clearly a generous person. You were more than willing to give of your time. Um, you offered to edit a podcast episode for free. You felt so bad for me for all the time I spent. So I'm just saying that it's in your nature to be a person who gives and is thoughtful of others. And I know that you're kind of brushing over that. You're like very matter of fact about a timeline and how it all happened and how you found yourself there. But do you feel at any point through the service that you've done, either in communities or the gift that you give to other people um, to support their businesses and so on. Is there like a heart connection that happens there for you or are you very disassociated with all of that? I think it sounds like an <laughs> asshole. I think I'm a bit disassociated. I think I just do it. I don't really overthink it too much. That's probably not the answer you want. I get like these fleeting I don't need an answer, a certain answer. <laughs> I get fleeting moments maybe where you get like the goosebumps or something like that, but not too often to be honest. I think I am very... I do things without thinking, yeah. I just do it because I do it. Mm. Okay, so you and I have talked about this before. You said yeah. um, with periods in your texts, you said you are not a spiritual person, period. You said you don't discuss spirituality, period. <laughs> and you know I'm just itching to know why. I'm just itching to know why. <laughs> you said there's history in your family, right? There's religious history in your family. Mm. Is that right? Okay. Well, my, so not history. My uncle is a minister. Oh, your uncle is a minister. Yeah, but were yeah. you raised in, in the church? I was baptized, but we stopped going to church at five years old, thank God. And never been since, never been since apart from weddings. Never darkened the door since? No. Okay, no. <laughs> well, I don't know if you know, but uh, both my dad and I, we're not religious people at all. Mm. Well, dad might be a little bit religious. I'm not sure. Me, for sure, not religious. But I would consider mm. myself a spiritual being. And the reason mm. I consider myself that is because I see myself as connected to human beings through mm. more than just our brains, more than just our physiology, more than biology, connected energetically. Now, mm. if I say that to you, that we're all connected energetically, are you just like, oh, no? No, not at all. I mean, I've been there. I've been through stages. I, I understand what you're saying. Like, I get it. And maybe it's true. I would love it if we are all part. I mean, because we're all made of stars, right? So we're all we're all made of the same atoms, molecules, everything. Right. Well, I read something recently, like every molecule in the world has been, why is it again, has been peed by a dinosaur? Or every body, every body of water in the world includes like dinosaur pee or something like that. It's just trying to show that like everything gets reused and re like everything. Yes. Nothing is yes. create. Nothing is created or destroyed. Right. It just changes from one form of energy to the other. So yeah, it may surprise you. I do I have been through phases. I do understand all of this, and I have been through spiritual phases. Uh, probably more so when I smoked a lot of marijuana, and less so when I stopped <laughs> smoking marijuana. 
I definitely think that helps. You connect to your spiritual self. 100%. Yeah. Well, I think lately, I think lately the trend is mushrooms. So, like, get on the mushroom train, buddy. You're a little Mush- behind. No, no, mushrooms are amazing. <laughs> They're my favorite of the best nights in my life. I've been on mushrooms again. That was a long time ago. Oh, okay. Well, the so. recent brand of mushrooms apparently are the ones that just really empower that spiritual connection. <laughs> yeah. Well, finally, they're doing, I've seen this research about like prescribing mushrooms or LSD to treat PTSD and veterans and yeah. for depression and all that stuff. And depression, yeah. It's absolutely mental. I was just in the States this year and you just smell weed everywhere and you're like, this shit used oh, to be illegal and people got locked in jail and lives ruined. And now you're like, yeah, it's yes. legal and everyone's smoking it everywhere and life goes on and there's no I problem. Know. But so I, I understand what you're saying about we're all kinetic energy and I've been through those phases where we're all connected and I I don't completely discount it, but I think as I've gotten older, uh, so th- I've been thinking about it a lot because obviously you've told, you've sent me these questions before and the question I think was why are you not, why are you not spiritual I think was the question. And even this morning I've been thinking about it, I've been going over it again and again and I think the answer is I just don't feel it. Hmm. And just like that's, you that's feel fair. spiritual, like yeah. I can come up with all these answers. I can go through my life history. I can come up with scientific answers. If you follow Ricky Gervais, then I'm a big fan of Ricky Gervais and Richard Dawkins. And, you know, I've read lots about why we are just nothing and we're going to die and when we're going to go into the ground and nothing's going to change. And there's so many arguments that I could sit here and tell you why I don't believe any of that is true. I think human beings need to search for meaning. I think this life that we've been given, this consciousness is the craziest batshit thing in the world that we are aware of who we are. Um, Mm -hmm. And so as being a being who is aware of who they are, we need to make sense of what the f*** that is. Because we're like, whoa, that's Mm -hmm. my hand. What is that? And so we've come up with spirituality, which then morphed into religion. And then now we've gone... Well, now we have spirituality. So it might be true, but what does it matter? (laughs) Well, maybe the definition of spirituality is what's hanging both of us up here because Mm. like, it's just a word, right? But it's, for me, the word spirituality is, is a concept that perhaps isn't best articulated with the word spirituality. Like when you say you have goosebumps when you go to an event and for example, my husband and I, we built homes in the Dominican Republic. So when we were there with a team of people, building these homes with cinder block mm. and we, you know, the, the dedication day happens and the family is there, they get to move in and the team that we're all sweaty and, you know, dirty. And we just, we just persevered together for a whole week. We had the craziest chills and connection, collaboration to me, that's spiritual, but it, to somebody else that might be something else. It might just be like, Oh, we just connected or we collaborated or whatever. And that's fine. It doesn't have to be called any particular thing. But I think what I'm asking you is, is it safe? Do you feel safe to explore um, things on a deeper level, like other than with, say, your spouse or, you know, your whatever? But I'm just talking about life, like your perception of life. Do you feel safe or comfortable to explore life on a deeper level beyond what's funny or beyond what's, you know, I don't know, interesting in the moment. Are there layers? Are there layers to Neil? (laughs) (laughs) Well, to go back just one second, what you said there about getting the chills or feeling good about doing what you're doing, whether you did or I did it. And you're saying, is that spiritual? So this, I would just call it physiological. 
It's just mm. science. It's just the physics of your body. It's like, oh, you did a good thing. Here's goosebumps to make you feel nice because you did a good thing. I very much have changed in terms of I'm just more of a believer in science. And maybe some part of that's come from I, I've been through the conspiracy rabbit hole and come out of that, thankfully, and then seen the conspiracy rabbit hole happening and how anti-science it is and how stupid it is. So maybe part of my reaction to that is to be like, I just believe in science and I don't, science has given us everything we have, what we're doing right now, what we're talking into, what we're recording ourselves with, our cell phones, what we're wearing. Science has given everything and then suddenly a whole bunch of people with no qualifications were like, I don't believe in that. And you're like, wait, what? So, (laughs) (laughs) and let's be honest, a lot of the new age spiritual movement was a part of that because I was a part of that believing in healing crystals and homeopathy and all this bullshit that there is that you can't deny that spirituality is tied to that movement and those types of people and so I think I've gone so far the other direction of I believe in science so the chills is just physics it's just physio physiology oh man I totally think there's a there's a bridge though between science and spirituality like I actually think they're two sides of the same coin I think that both are extremely valid. Um, we actually had a guest who hasn't aired yet, but she she brought that balance um, to both of those for us because she was talking about something very woo-woo, very energy-based, but she was also talking about science. And I, I find it so sad when one has to discount the other. It's like you have to be team science or team spirituality or team whatever, mm. whatever is the opposite of science in people's minds. But they work together, I think, quite beautifully. You don't see that? One thing, no, one thing is I, I, I'm i always open to changing my mind and I've changed my mind many times in my life. One of the things that frustrates me the most is when you see people who are so staunch in their beliefs that they will never even yes. counter other. So I'm not saying I'm not like a staunch, like I will never change my mind. I may change my mind at some point in my life. At this point in my life, I don't understand it and I don't know enough and I don't pretend to know enough. So I'm just, that's why I was like, what, what? intelligent answer could I give about not being spiritual and then I was like I just don't feel it Who cares? I don't I don't yeah but then I was like I just just a feeling like my cousin like I told you my uncle is a minister his daughters my cousins are doctors and lawyers and super religious and I don't understand how you can be a doctor and religious I don't understand mm. it and so many doctors are so many scientists are religious I do not understand it so I know we're going away from spirituality, but obviously the religion is an offshoot of, has come from spirituality. You believe in something bigger than yourself. Yeah, that's that's the crux of it, yeah. So I don't fully understand how you can believe, like you're saying it's two sides of the same coin. I'm, I'm not, I'd love to hear the argument for that. I don't know what the argument is. I, at this point right now, I don't understand because to me, they're so mutually exclusive because nothing in science has ever proven anything spiritual. There's no scientific basis for it at all, as far as I know, as far as I know. Don't get me wrong, I'm in, I'm in love with my wife. I fell in love with her and I've been in love with her since I met her 12 years ago. And that's a massive connection. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, we like each other because we love each other because we have the same interests. We have like those physiological things. Like I don't know if I believe that we are, there's some physical uh, sorry metaphysical reason why we are in love with each other and so when you start to evoke like the heart 
and all of this stuff is again it's just like stuff that can't be proven it's kind of like nonsense your reaction is so strong that it makes me wonder if it's like just pushing a button it feels like it's just pushing a it's a trigger for you <laughs> maybe a little bit again you're so hostile about it. You're like, that's just bollocks. That just doesn't make sense. That's stupid. It's not possible. And so then that makes me think, okay, well, you're resisting something because it, I don't know, it's a trigger for you somehow. <laughs> I think it's what triggers me is the stupidity of it. I think that's what like gets me like worked up when I'm like, it's just bullshit. <laughs> like, it's not because real. Because it can't be explained? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. I think because we're all just trying to find meaning in life. I've been there. I've been through that. We all want to find a bigger meaning because this thing that we have called consciousness is absolutely mental. And all through human history, I guess, through human life, once we started to be able to be conscious, we've tried to figure out what that meant. Um, yes, we have. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. we're the only real conscious beings, right? Yeah. <laughs> or or <laughs> are we? Well, exactly. Okay, so what I'm taking away from this mm. conversation so far is that you are highly open to spirituality as long as it can be proven. So I love this. One of my biggest pet peeves is when you see a sports star win the Super Bowl, for example, and he's like, I want to thank God. God did this. And you're like, well, what about the other guy who also believes in God? Yeah. So his God wanted him to lose, but your God wanted you to <laughs> win. Like, this makes no sense. <laughs> I, I also think the same thing when I hear that. I think, well... I don't think there's favorites that happen with fate or God or whatever, higher power. Yeah, but I do yeah. believe that we're we're all on our own journey of personal growth. So then whatever situations we're living through, whether it is a win or a loss, is there to teach us something. So it actually could serve to lose. It could serve to win. It just depends where you're at, what you need in that moment. That's what I believe. I think that's, again, you're just trying to find meaning in like, something that doesn't have meaning you lost a game or you lost something like you you can interpret it that way and that's fine you can interpret it like and, and that's great like i'm gonna learn from this experience but i don't think that experience was put on you for you to learn something no i don't know that it was put on me either i wouldn't say that i would just mm. say that experiences happen right and you mm. can either you can be of the mindset that's like i'm gonna learn from this or I'm going to, you know, be a victim and say, why did this happen to me? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's not spiritual. Yeah. That's just your own fortitude. I guess it would be spiritual to me still. I, I would I would say that anything that is um, separate from the biology of my body and the basic function of my brain would connect me to spirituality. And I think I think the problem is that the word itself or the concept has gotten a bad rap because there's so there's so much that's now called spiritual that everybody's like, oh my goodness, it's 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 woo woo. It's just it doesn't make sense. It's an excuse for people to hope for something that doesn't exist. And really, to me, that's not that's not what it is. So I guess it needs a different word. Mm. It's too many influences from Bali. I think you need a month long yoga retreat in Bali, and you're going to come oh back a different God. guy. <laughs> I have a, a one of the podcasts I work for right now. He um he should be back now. Actually, he's just done a ten day silent retreat. Oh boy! And, and he said that's, that's amazing. I would I can't go ten How minutes without talking. That? I can do ten. I know days. we're talkers. Like there's no way that that would mm. happen. <laughs> but I've known other people to do silent retreats. Apparently, they're unbelievable. Uh, so maybe I would do something like that and then get inside myself and and figure. Oh man, like, I would love to have a conversation with you after something like that and just see what <laughs> kind of tune you're singing. I sure would. 
but you didn't actually pick up on what I said earlier. I thought you were going to jump on that. I said about the law of attraction. Like I've been, I was wanting to make a podcast about uh, like a narrative podcast, and I've been thinking about it, and then out of nowhere, I got given the opportunity to make a podcast. But you don't believe that. I believe that there is something. That's the weird thing, right? So I've I've done law of attraction. Like I've used law of attraction to achieve goals before. I think whatever you, I don't know what you know about the law of attraction. I think the big thing that always misses with that is they just make it this froofy thing that you just think something and then it happens. And they really, you need to take action towards making that happen. Like if I just sit here and do nothing, I'm not going to get that podcast that I wanted or I'm not going to get of that course. promotion that I right. wanted. But I do think that if you put your mind to something, you have a goal, you have a target, and then you work towards it, Again, I don't think it's anything spiritual or fourth dimensional. I think it's probably just coincidence, but like you, you can make things happen, but you have to make them happen. So even though that podcast, and one of the phrases I hate, and I've talked about this with people, is like, oh, you're so lucky. Well, it's not luck because you made it happen, right? So right. I wasn't, I never think of myself as I was lucky that I got this podcast. I made it happen because I was putting myself out there. I've been producing good right. work. And then somebody came to me and said, hey, we like what you're doing. Can you make this narrative podcast? So while I'd been thinking about it and wanting to attract it, I still don't really think it was anything spiritual. I think I made that happen. But I think it's good to have those intentions and have those, uh, I guess, intentions of what you want to achieve. And if you take action towards achieving them, you will be more likely to achieve them. And so a different person would then be like, oh, look what I did because I thought of this in law of attraction and I was able to manifest or manifestation. Fuck, don't get me fucking started on manifestation. That's another <laughs> buzzword right now. People love that. Oh, I manifested it. Oh, manifestation. It's not manifestation. It's just think about it, focus on it, set a goal and do it and it will happen more times than not. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's that's where the the gap falls because people who believe in manifestation or law of attraction say i'll just like you said will it into being and sit here and wait for it to happen yeah and that yeah. doesn't happen it doesn't happen yeah. like that not at not all. not but not in any circumstance does it ever happen like that so yeah i think that and such a key part of the whole process is the journey of it i believe that i believe that you're meant to go through some hardships and struggle some push like all of that stuff promotes growth and teaches you mm. things about yourself so i think it's important for all of it to happen and not for things to just magically fall in your lap. So I struggle with the whole manifestation thing, law of attraction thing, because to me, it seems like kind of greedy. Like, I don't know. It's like, I, I want all this for myself. But why do you need all that for yourself? Or why do you need this certain vision to happen? It sort of pigeonholes you. Like if I said, I envision myself, I want to live on a lake in the middle of the British Columbia mountains and just zen out for the rest of my life. Well, that I could feel the Zen that I think I'm going to get from a lake house in a thousand different ways. It doesn't have to be the lake house. So for me, manifestation actually puts limitations on what's possible rather than opens up what's possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's uh, the problem with the manifestation, like what you mentioned there about it being selfish is if you have selfish intentions, then it's going to be selfish. So I remember the book for the, for this, the secret and that kind of introduced the law of attraction to the world. It was kind of like, oh, I want this bag, so I imagine this bag, and then I get this bag. And there are this is probably why those super successful people are 
successful because they actually know how to harness it. Now, they obviously have a lot of most successful people already come from money anyway. Nobody ever tells you that, but the number one like factor in somebody becoming rich is how rich their parents are, like 100%. So, but I do think the wealthy people have harnessed that and they know how to use goal setting, law of attraction, manifestation, right. whatever you want to call it. So they know how to use it and then get richer. But the, the main thing is they came from a rich family, not really that they manifested <laughs> You're such it. such a skeptic. <laughs> it's true though. That the statistics absolutely show wealth begets wealth. Is that a statistic you're making up that most of the world's wealthy people were wealthy from their parents? Well, no, 100%. I'm not making that or, up. No, 100%. That's, no, that's true. It's the number oh, okay. one factor in becoming wealthy is having wealthy parents coming from wealth. But you could call that mind, mindset as well because – when you come from wealth, you expect nothing less than. You don't know hardship. So oh, 100%. you don't think of hardship, right? But when you're coming 100%. from hardship, that's all you're stuck in it. You're so stuck in it that it's really hard to see something different. So I think you're right. There is a privilege that comes with already having abundance, you know, from mm. a young age. You oh, just, absolutely. I mean, you just assume that that's a given. Yeah. You can, I can't imagine how different them. I mean, I come from a poor family. I can't imagine how the difference in the mindset of somebody who comes yeah. from not even abundant wealth, but just wealth to somebody who comes from a poor background. Yeah, I mean, the mindset is huge. Okay, before we leave each other, why don't you tell tell us what you're working on right now? How What's a way that people can connect with you? So the best way to find me is just go to my website, sevenmillionbikes.com, S-E-V-E-N, million, M-I-L-L-I-O-N, bikes. And now most people think I'm saying bakes, B-A, it's B-I, like a motorbike, bikes, B-I-K-E-S. <laughs> 7millionbikes.com um, and you can find out about how if anyone's listening wants their podcast edited um, you can get in touch with me and I'll talk to you about how to do that and and maybe even a little about some spirituality you know if they just want to discuss the works of God we can talk about <laughs> it we can talk about it do you know the funny thing is I edit a lot of spiritual podcasts and you can imagine <laughs> you, you can imagine my face when I'm when I'm editing them is there anything left in the content when you're done <laughs> <laughs> I edit for the audio, not for the content. Oh, gotcha. Well, I'm going to have to put a million bleeps in this one. Oh, yeah, I should have asked before if I can swear or not. I don't swear that much, but only when I get excited. I swear all the time. And somehow when I come on the podcast, I can monitor myself. I don't know how that works. I'm Well, I, I'm normally pretty polite, but you got me wound up. So then when I get wound up. Yeah, there we go. Swear, the swear words come out. Or for comedic effect. That's the other one. They're punchy. Swear words are punchy. I yeah, like them exactly. for that. Spirituality and science might look totally different at first. Spirituality is often motivated by a deep-seated human desire to understand the nature of our existence, figure out our purpose, try to understand our consciousness, while science digs into the physical world with experiments and data. I believe both contribute to our understanding of the universe in complementary ways, like two sides of the same coin. So here's my argument. Science uses laws and equations to explain how things work, while spirituality takes a personal approach, exploring the deeper meaning of life and how everything is connected. Some spiritual traditions emphasize the interconnectedness of all life and the idea that everything is connected at a fundamental level. In science, especially quantum physics, there's this idea that everything is connected on a microscopic scale, which challenges our usual ideas of separation. While science helps us understand the consequences of our actions, spirituality often provides 
a moral and ethical framework guiding those actions. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about an internal compass. Science is figuring out the brain's role in consciousness while spirituality explores consciousness from a personal, introspective angle, adding more layers to our understanding. Both science and spirituality admit that there's a bunch of stuff we don't know. Scientific discoveries keep leading to more questions, and spirituality encourages us to be okay with not having all the answers. Ultimately, if you choose to follow a spiritual path, you do it because it adds meaning to your life. It gives you purpose. It allows you to feel connected to something bigger than you, all of which improves your quality of life. There really is no downside. Not a single soul on this planet knows what exists beyond this reality. And I believe it's for a reason. Our human existence is just one chapter in our soul's journey. It's up to you to decide what kind of human experience you wanna have. The good news is there's, there's no wrong answer. Join us next week when we welcome Angela Chapman, an energy practitioner and coach who helps people experiencing self-abandonment, chronic illness, and catastrophic relationship conflicts shift from who they think they're supposed to be to who they really are. She is the perfect guest to follow Neil because she seamlessly incorporates both science and spirituality in her practice and gets results. She makes a case for the importance of staying open to what is scientifically explained and to what you inherently know. See you next week. Do you have your own story about being versus doing? We want to hear it. Or maybe you have a different perspective on the things we discuss in this podcast. We'd love to have you as a guest. To get started, visit thechangeevolutionist.com forward slash podcast guest. What did you think of this episode? Join the private Change Evolutionist community chat to share your thoughts. Find the link in the show notes. You can now record or text a question through FanList. Just head over to fanlist.com forward slash human being project and set up an account. Your question, comment, or feedback and our response to it may be featured in one of our new Q&A episodes coming soon. Never miss an episode. Get notification to your inbox when a new episode is released. Download to your device or listen wherever you get your podcasts. To get notifications, go to thechangeevolutionist.com forward slash subscribe.